So I know some of you enjoy tracking along with the sermon. Um, so you, this, these would be like your sermon notes um, and help you stay engaged. But I forgive you if you need to take a nap, by all means. <laughs> I can relate. So yeah, if it's been a while since you've seen me, I am expecting in February a little boy, and we praise God for that wonderful surprise. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Um, I just didn't want you to be guessing, like, wow, she did put on a lot of COVID pounds, didn't she? <laughs> yeah. They're good pounds. That's all for a good purpose. All right, so as um, Diane's passing those out, you'll see um, our verse for today. Uh, we're going to be looking at number 6, 23 to 27. Numbers is a funny book. We don't hang out in numbers a whole lot um, at church. Um, in fact, I think we probably skip a lot of the book of numbers. Um, as soon as she's done, I, I want to acknowledge that this is our first time gathering in a long time since COVID. And so I know there are some that you would have been used to seeing here who aren't here anymore. Um, they may have passed away or, or even fallen away. So I just want to have a moment of silence to honor their memories. So if you would just indulge me for just one moment um, of silence while we just remember those who, who would have been here. I know that we're missing them. We're just going to have a moment of silence. Thank you. All right, so let's read our scripture together. It says, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. So I'd like to just begin our time together um, as we reflect on this passage by first sharing some background information. And then I'd like to talk about um, who are God's people. This passage says, you shall bless the people of Israel. So who exactly are God's people? Um, and then I want to talk a little bit about the promise that we see revealed to God's people in this passage. And then lastly, just want to talk about some practical applications of this for us today. All right, so first, a little background. The name of the book, Numbers, it's derived from the census lists of the 12 tribes of Israel that you, you're going to find if you read through the whole book of Numbers. So that's where it gets its name. Um, and this book of Numbers accounts for the, the period of time um, as Israel's traveling you know, out of the slavery uh, that they experienced in Egypt, and they're heading towards freedom in the land of Canaan, okay? So it's got this in-between um, time. And Canaan, this is the land that, if you remember, that God promised to give Abraham and his descendants. That's why we call it the promised land, right? You wondered where that came from. It's, a, it's actually land that was literally, literally promised to Israel. So Israel is tested while they're in this wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. And some of you think you have a tough commute today, right? 40 minutes. Oh, it's so long. What am I going to do? Imagine 40 years. That's a long commute through the wilderness. But the wilderness continues to be a powerful metaphor today for many people. There may be those who feel like they are outcast. They are on the margins of society. They feel like they're wandering maybe in a spiritual uh, wilderness of sorts. And we know that God can do amazing things uh, when we're in the wilderness. 
And in Isaiah 43, 19, we can read God's words. He says, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And God promises here to make a way, even when it seems very unlikely that there could be a way. And we also know John the Baptist was what we call a voice in the wilderness. He said, prepare the way of the Lord. And Jesus himself was tempted where? In the wilderness. Not for 40 years like Israel, but 40 days. And so we know by these examples that God works in and through the wilderness, in those spaces and seasons and times when things aren't always clear to us. The path isn't always paved, not like these beautiful three-lane highways that we have out, maybe on 495, right? You just set your direction, set up, plug in your GPS, and go, pedal to the metal. Who's a pedal to the metal kind of person? Yeah, I know, right? We need to slow down, okay? All right. Sometimes in the wilderness, it might feel like there's no path at all, not even a little lightly trodden dirt path, right, that we could follow along. And we might even struggle to see the next step in front of us. But it's precisely in these wilderness journeys that God shows up. And not just for little nice things along the way, but to deliver a blessing. And that's what brings us to our text today. This is a blessing for God's people. It's a blessing that God God is speaking. He's giving these instructions to Moses. God says to Moses to tell Aaron and his sons how they are to bless God's people, the Israelites. Right? Mind you, God is not waiting to give them this instruction until everything's going really nice. Um, Maybe they're sipping tea by the fire. They're singing Kumbaya. God doesn't wait for that kind of a moment. They're in the wilderness This is a wilderness season, and this is when God is delivering this this mandate, this instruction to Moses. I think the best time, and one of the best times to instate a blessing practice such as this one, I would say, is when we're in the wilderness. And we've continued to recite this blessing even today, thousands of years later. And it's not just a nice saying. It's true. It's not something nice that people made up to encourage one another to put uh, to hang on your door, right? Like a greeting, you know, welcome to my house. Here's my, my blessing that I put here. Um, though it would probably look nice, you know, hanging maybe with a nice wreath on your, on your front door, on your um, dining room um, wall, right? Do we have like home decor people in here who like to do these kinds of things? Maybe, yeah. And that's great. But there, this wasn't something that people made up. That's the point. It's not something that you go to a Christmas tree shop, right? Buy, it looks nice. It's a nice saying. These are God's words himself, God's own words of blessing over his own people. So why do we still use this blessing today in the church? Are we Israelites? We might need to answer this question if we're we're going to understand the connotations of this verse for us today, right? So how do we know that we are God's people, Right? How do we know that this a blessing applies to us, to me, to us today? So maybe you do actually come from a Jewish uh, lineage, right? Ethnically, you're Jewish, so you wouldn't consider yourself what we would call a Gentile, anyone who's not Jewish, 
right? And you would look at the scriptures and know that you're God's people because you can trace your, your Jewish heritage. But for those Gentiles in the house today, one teaching you can look at is in Romans 11. And this is the Apostle Paul. And he's talking about the inclusion of the Gentiles into the promises of God. The same promises that God made to Israel. He's going to include the Gentiles in those promises too. And so Paul uses this analogy of an olive tree. And he compares the Gentiles to a wild olive branch that's grafted into an existing olive tree. Quite a creative example. And how they share the same nourishing root. So Gentiles, it's a great example, and Gentiles have been grafted into these same promises of God that he gave to Israel. And so we don't say today that a church um, filled with Gentiles replaces God's people, Israel, okay? But rather the Gentiles are grafted in, all right? We're all part of the one family of God, one spirit, one family of God. We're all recipients of God's promises and God's grace. And the promise especially of Jesus Christ, right? Messiah, Yeshua. That's not just a promise for Israel. That's for all people, all nations, the whole world, and every generation, right? For you, for me, right? You get the point, everyone. And then we have another key teaching on this idea, and that's found in 1 Peter 2, 4 through 9. And it says, as you come to him, the living stone, rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. For in scripture it says, see, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and precious cornerstone, and the one who trusts in him will never be put to shame. Now, to you who believe, this stone is precious, but to those who do not believe, the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone, and a stone that causes people to stumble, and a rock that makes them fall. They stumble because they disobey the message, which is also what they were destined for. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. So those who put their trust in Jesus, those who don't reject this precious cornerstone, those are the ones who become part of the family of God. They are God's people. They're called out of darkness, out of the wilderness, and into the light. These are God's people. So, what exactly is the promise to God's people? Right? There's several, right? So here, God is, is basically self-describing, right? Because he, remember, he's the one that's giving this, this directive to Moses, He's basically describing how he's going to bless them, right? Again, it's not just a nice saying. He wants the people to know how he is going to intentionally bless them. So, at the same time that God is giving this instruction to the leaders on how they are to bless God's people, it's by that very same nature that God is saying, you know, I, I'm promising to uphold my end 
of this promise. I promise I'm going to be faithful. God would not give this blessing if he wasn't intentionally going to keep it, right? God is faithful, and here he is promising to bless in the very nature that he's giving this instruction to, to the leaders. And he's very explicit. And he says at the end of the passage, he says it right there, I will bless them. He says he's going to keep us. He's going to shine on us. He's going to give grace. He's going to direct his care over us, and he's going to give us peace. These are blessings from God for God's people. Does it always feel like we're being blessed? Probably not, right? I think it's because we often associate some kind of a a feeling of being blessed, maybe even with um, temporal things that um, we see in this life, right? But temporal things don't always work out so great. Things break, stuff wears out, stuff gets stolen, maybe it never arrives, but God is, is good to us in these temporal ways in this life. And maybe we can all think of very tangible ways that we have experienced the blessings of God. We count our blessings, so to speak, right? Some people make lists of the way that God has blessed them in these really tangible uh, material ways. So that's not bad. And those are great things, right? So just think of maybe one or two things right now in your mind of, that you might be extremely thankful for today. Just, and material is fine. So along these lines of counting our blessings, I remember um, when our church book club, do we have any book clubbers here? A couple, yep. Um, We read Corey Ten Boom's book, um, The Hiding Place, right? Some of you have read that. Um, And there's one part in that book that really grabbed my attention. I think it's along the lines of um, counting our blessings. So um, if you'll indulge me, I'm going to read to you one of the passages from this book. Uh, So they were just placed in a new um, barracks um, when this uh, happened. So she says, We lay back, struggling against the nausea that swept over us from the reeking straw. Suddenly I sat up, striking my head on the cross slats above. Something had pinched my leg. Fleas, I cried. Betsy, the place is swarming with them. Here and here another one, I wailed. Betsy, how can we live in such a place? Show us, show us how. It was said so matter-of-factly, it took me a second to realize she was praying. More and more, the distinction between prayer and the rest of life seemed to be vanishing for Betsy. Corey, she said excitedly, he's given us the answer. And before we asked, as he always does... In the Bible this morning, where was it? Read that part again. And I glanced down the long, dim aisle to make sure no guard was in sight, then drew the Bible from its pouch. It was in 1 Thessalonians, I said. We were on our third complete reading of the New Testament since, lead, since leaving Schrengwengen. Someone else can say that better than me. In the feeble light, I turned the pages. Here it is. Comfort the frightened, help the weak, be patient with everyone, see that none of you repays evil for evil but always seek to do good to one another and to all. It seemed written expressly to Ravensbrook. Go on, said Betsy. That wasn't all. Oh, yes. Rejoice always. Pray constantly. 
Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. That's it, Corey. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. That's what we can do. We can start right now to thank God for every single thing about this new barracks. I stared at her then around me at the dark, foul-aired room. Such as, I said, such as being assigned here together. I bit my lip. Oh, yes, Lord Jesus. Such as what you're holding in your hands. I looked down at the Bible. Yes, thank you, dear Lord, that there was no inspection when we entered here. Thank you for all these women here in this room who will meet you in these pages. Yes, said Betsy. Thank you for the very crowding here, since we're packed so close that many more will hear. And she looked at me expectantly. Corey. Oh, all right. Thank you for the jammed, crammed, stuffed, packed, suffocating crowds. Thank you. Betsy went on serenely. For the fleas and for the fleas, that was too much. Betsy, there's no way even God can make me grateful for a flea. Give thanks in all circumstances, she quoted. It doesn't say in pleasant circumstances. Fleas are part of this place where God has put us. And so we stood between tiers of bunks and gave thanks for fleas. Back at the barracks, we formed another line. Would there ever be an end to columns and weights to receive our ladle of turnip soup in the center room? And then as quickly as we could press of people, Betsy and I made our way to the rear of the dorm where we would hold our worship service. And around our own platform area, there was not enough light to read the Bible, but back here, a small light bulb cast a yellow circle on the wall. And here, an ever larger group of women gathered. At first, Betsy and I called these meetings with great timidity. But as night after night went by and no guard ever came near us, we grew bolder. So many now wanted to join us that we held a second service after evening roll call. And there, we were under rigid surveillance. Guards in their warm wool capes marched constantly up and down. And it was the same in the center room of the barracks. Half a dozen guards or camp police always present. Yet, in the large dormitory room, where there was almost no supervision at all, we didn't understand it. One evening, I got back to the barracks late from a wood-gathering uh, foray outside the walls, and a light snow lay on the ground, and it was hard to find sticks and twigs. Betsy was waiting for me, as always, so that we could wait uh, through the food line together, and her eyes were twinkling. You're looking extraordinarily pleased with yourself, I told her. You know, we've never understood why we had so much freedom in the big room, she said. Well, I found out. That afternoon, she said, there had been confusion in her knitting group about sock sizes. And they'd asked the supervisor to come and settle it, but she wouldn't. She wouldn't step through the door, and neither would the guards. And do you know why? Betsy could not keep the triumph from her voice. Because of the fleas. That's what she said. That place is crawling with fleas. And my mind rushed back to our first hour in this place, and I remembered Betsy's bowed head, remembering her thanks to God for creatures that I could see no use for. And so, a long example, but thank you. And we don't know when something that we might have seen as a curse or a hardship really turns out to be a blessing from the Lord, right? Such as this example, Corey's examples of the fleas who actually helped provide a cover for them uh, from the guards so that they could meet and have larger and larger Bible studies in the barracks, in this detention camp, concentration camp. So, so sometimes there's really much more um, than just life's temporal blessings, right? God has a much bigger plan in mind than even just these little blessings that we receive. There's the eternal blessings of God, right? Which brings us to what I would describe as the ultimate blessing, that we have received from God. 
And this ultimate blessing is found in God's one and only Son, Jesus Christ. You see, God sent his Son to a wandering and broken world to redeem that world through him, to bring forgiveness to the sinner. That's everybody, right? Some of you are like, sinner, that's you. It's all of us, okay? We've all sinned. Jesus came to bring forgiveness to the sinner and to set the captives free. Those in bondage to sin, that's everyone. And so, well, it might be easier to thank God for things that we can see, right, tangible blessings. We also ought to remember this beautiful ultimate blessing that we have received through Jesus Christ. Jesus was God's plan to make a way in the wilderness for all who were lost, spiritual sojourners wandering about with no one to show them the way. For anyone who turns to Jesus, he promises to be their shepherd and to lead them through the wilderness of life to a heavenly eternity dwelling forever in the light and presence of God. And now, as our verse points out, God is shining his face upon his people, right? A beautiful metaphor of light. Um, and as the author Dennis Olson says, light can bring clarity, a warmth such as that of sunshine, rescue from darkness, renewal of life, and a brightness of joy. And as God shines on his people now, in eternity, how much more will he shine? Scripture says there'll be no need of the sun. God's light is going to be all that we need. And so God's light shines the way and leads us through and eventually out of the wilderness to the promised land. So this morning we talked about some of the background of the book of Numbers. We talked about um, how do we know that we are God's people, that this applies to us today. And we talked about the ultimate blessing of Jesus Christ. And so just in light of, of these discoveries that we've made today, I just have two main takeaways for us, kind of as we head out to minister in these weeks and months ahead. So first of all, remember that you are God's blessed people. Okay? You are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, and you are blessed. You are not only blessed by, you know, an earthly priest, right? We might speak blessing over one another. But you are blessed by the high priest himself, Jesus Christ, who is interceding for us to the Father, even now. And this blessing doesn't depend on us but only upon God's grace. And as Psalm 67 says, may God be gracious to us and bless us and make his face to shine upon us so that your way may be known upon earth, your saving power among all nations. It doesn't always feel like we're blessed, right? Sometimes circumstances are so hard that we may begin to doubt or question if we are indeed blessed, but thanks be to God that our state of being blessed does not depend on us, but only on God and his grace alone. And so even when times feel hard, even when our hearts are breaking, even when we lose the ones we love, even when we feel like we have lost everything, God is still blessing us through the storms and trials of our life. And in fact, it is often precisely in these storms, in this wilderness time, that we must remember who we are as God's blessed people. God is writing a story that's bigger than even ourselves. So maybe, how do we remember, right? Maybe it's a reminder on your phone that pops up every now and then. You are God's 
blessed person, people. Some of you like sticky notes. Put some sticky notes wherever you're going to see them, right? Maybe when you go for your coffee in the morning, you open the cupboard to get the coffee out. There's your sticky note. You know, remember, you're God's blessed people. You're a chosen people. All right, and secondly, we need to live as God's blessed people. We need to walk according to his word, and so that means also walking in accordance with this word that we've read today. We must walk in a way that says, I am kept by the Lord, right? No one else keeps me. We are reserved for the Lord. It's his good pleasure to watch over us, and he never sleeps or slumbers, right? Do we live in a way that reflects that understanding? When trouble comes, do we tuck our heads under the blankets, right, and just ignore the things of life? Or do we get out of bed, both feet uh, planted on the floor, and say, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Can we rest assured that God is keeping us? Do we face the day with confidence? God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. What does it look like, right, to walk in this confidence that God's got our back? And he's not leaving I know we might have examples in our own lives where you've felt that, that sense of abandonment, but God will never leave you, right? Your partner might have walked out on you. Your parents might have walked out on you. Your children may have walked out on you. Your siblings, your teachers, your friends, your dog, your cat. Probably more likely your dog than your cat, although there probably are some faithful cats. I don't know, probably not. But God will never walk out on you, okay? Amen. God is keeping you. It's his blessing, and it's his promise. Are we living as a people who are not just kept by God, but who have received the grace of God? When we have received grace, we've received a gift that, frankly, none of us deserve. We can't earn grace. It's a gift of God. But through Jesus, God made a way that we could be reconciled to him, enemies no more, separated um, by him no more by sin. And through Christ, we're forgiven and set free. But do we live that way as a people who have been set free by grace, through grace? Do we live as those who have received the peace of God? Okay? So much anxiety today. But God has said and promised that he will bless his people with peace. Do we live like people who are experiencing peace? Or when troubles come, do we get nervous? Do we find every excuse to worry and fret? Right? Every excuse to be anxious? Just because we don't choose to live in or acknowledge peace doesn't mean that God isn't waiting there to bless us, that we might receive his peace. It's God's promised blessing. And through Christ, we can have ultimate peace, peace with God. It's called shalom. And from that peace we have with God, peace can spread like a wildfire through our lives as God's peace transforms our hearts so that we can go and touch others' hearts and lives with that same peace that we have received. And so do we live like a people that knows this deep shalom? Peace is a promise of God, not something that we conjure up. It's not a nice feeling. Have we received it? When we're busy trying to love God and love others, are our interactions characterized by peace? Let's live as a people who have been blessed by God with peace because truly we have been blessed by God himself. So let me pray for us. Lord, we pray that our lives would reflect these promises that we read about today in this special blessing for your people. And we just pray that we would not take it for granted that you are blessing us, even when the season feels hard. Give us eyes to see, even in the midst of our pain, our loss, and in our joys, that you are with us. 
and that you are blessing us in these beautiful ways. You promise to bless us. So thank you, especially for the blessing, the ultimate blessing of your son, Jesus Christ, who sets us free to live our lives as your blessed and chosen people. Amen. So so I'm going to invite the worship team to come back up here. And um, I'd just just like you to receive the blessing that they're going to um, sing over us. It comes right from the verses that we looked at today. And I guess I just want to say, if you're not sure still, if you're God's chosen people, if you're not sure if you're part of God's family, maybe you haven't received his grace. Maybe you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord. And so I'm just going to pray a simple prayer, and you can pray along with me. Um, It's going to invite Jesus into your heart, um, and you'll become a a part of the family of God. So let's just bow our heads and pray, and then we'll, we'll receive the blessing. Lord, we're sorry for the ways that we have gone our own way and turned against you. We're sorry that we haven't followed you. We're sorry for the way we've sinned and fallen short. Thank you for sending Jesus as our Savior to deliver us from sin, to pay the price, the penalty that we would have had to pay by giving his life on the cross, by shedding his blood, and then rising again three days later, triumphant over sin and death. So we just receive that free gift of grace from you today. And we say thank you for bringing us into your family. We are your chosen people. Thank you for for counting us your blessed people. And we just um, accept the gift of the Holy Spirit. Come fill us now. Be our Lord. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.